All right, let's uh, let's get this it started. This is a heavy episode. Welcome to the Riff and Rock Music Talk podcast. Hi, Wait. my name is Armando, and I'm here with my host Alex. Uh, Alex, how are you today? You guys are stealing my my bit. <laughs> Of course, of course. If it weren't for us, you know. There would be no show. There would be no Mars Volta. Oh shit, there is no Mars Volta. Uh, oh, too soon. <laughs> Rip. And then we're uh, on this episode, we're joined by Chris Resnick. Chris, welcome to the show. What up? Thank you, glad to be here. He, he knows about Omar too, so we're like, you would be great if you talked about him with us. <laughs> It's been a... We're going to talk about DMT and like uh, you know all that Joe Rogan stuff, right? That's podcasting. Yeah, that's podcasting. <laughs> have you guys heard of cereal? You guys have heard of cereal, right? The food. <laughs> the food. Oh my god, it's hot podcast. or cold. Too. On this episode of This American Life, we're going to dive deep into cereal and Mark Marin. And uh, here's my first host. Our first story today. A story of a Puerto Rican man who puts out a lot of albums. Omar Rodriguez Lopez. <laughs> wow. I didn't like his first two 12 albums, but the third and fourth 12 albums. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's weird, because we are, like, less than a month away from New at the Drive-In, and, like, I should be excited about that, but, but we keep getting all these Omar albums dumped on us, so it's like it's hard to even be prepared for it. If I may, is it just is it just weird that I'm anticipating the Marcel album more on the same day? Yeah, why more is Marcel dropping an album on the same and day? And an Omar one, too. There's going to be three albums on the same day. Jesus Christ. I didn't realize. Is it a, and, uh, Eureka and the Big Butcher? Big Walnuts Yonder. Can't forget about that. Who is it? Oh, Big, Big Walnuts Walnut Yonder. With Nick Reinhardt and Mike White. Mm. Oh, my God. That's going to be oh. a real quiz. May 5th. Cinco de Mayo is going to be Cool. Wow. Fuego. Oh, Jesus. Oh, wait, wait, so is that a new Eureka the Butcher that's coming out? Yep. Yeah. There's some fat tracks Dang, on it. Dang, that's crazy. It's been uh, since uh, Music from Others, right? That was the last one? Yeah. I put out a digital EP, but the last physical release was Music from Others. Okay, okay. Huh. It's been doing his Marcel Jesus, thing. man. I can barely keep up with 12 goddamn Omars. I know. So, speaking of which, how was your recent listening experience to Ensayo Dunes? Or Des- no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> not, uh, so you roll, so you roll, pal. <laughs> Before you have a stroke. Um, no, 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 no. I just listened to Azul Midis Dientes. Is that the first one we're talking about? Well, that's the one with the Napoli And from cover. now on, that's how you have to pronounce it. So uh, I was just oh, listening no. to Azul des Mis Dientes. Azul Mis Dientes. Okay, excuse me. That's not the first one we're talking about. We're talking about Ensayo de un Desarapore. That's uh, yeah, good either. No, no, no. I mean, I, I got to Ensayo de un, but, you know, two years of high school Spanish. Ensayo de un Desaparecido. Desaparecido. Serious, Desaparecido. Uh, title too. It's like, all right, we have a debate going because it's loose translation of but the tra- general yeah. consensus is that it's like a testing or a or an essay of uh, of a dis- disappeared or a vanished vanishing of a you know so a, an essay or a test of some sort. Yeah, um, 
It is. I that's, translated it and got would, different words, so I don't know Spanish. Well, I, 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 what? Oh, I was just going to say, I could see Essay of a Disappeared. That feels like the most disappeared. sensical of all of them. But uh, what what I say? No, that sounds... It's just I'm emphasizing it. It's cool. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is the, like but, a mafia. It is the 42nd thing. solo album. And uh, fans of Omar circa 2009 are going to be happy to know that this is a reimagined version of Xenophanes, which is... Will they be happy? I Well... <laughs> They'll be like, oh, I recognize these songs. Most of them are not. Most of them are very unhappy to hear that. But I love it. People are like, I can't believe he's just rehashing another album. Come on with that shit. Yeah, I, I like it too. Like, I'm I'm anti-rehashing, but it's it's a bitter pill to swallow because it is a beautiful album. And it does have very nice, uh, you know, sonic texture and shit like that. And it really shows how strong the songs themselves are. And they don't need, like, you know, shit tons of delay and, like, 45 tracks on every single song to still be good. <laughs> it's a great point. I, I do yeah. miss having all those tracks. Um, I always thought Pridgen did a great job on the album, but I agree. And it, it was frustrating because I really wanted to hate it. I was like, "This is stupid. Why do I have a new Zenophanes?" And then I'm like, "Oh, actually, it's kind of loungy. It's kind of jazzy. Yeah. It's still got some progressive rock elements. Um, mm-hmm. It was a welcome re-exploration into this this content." I'm I'm left wondering, and maybe this is a pointless wonder. If like he's he's like, oh, I really like these songs, but Hamina dumped me, and I kicked Thomas out of the band, and I don't talk to Juan anymore. I gotta really redo this album with people I actually like. I went back I to the studio. That. Well, that was a question I was actually going to ask. What do you guys think the the lineage of this album is? Do you think it's like a rehearsal tape from like something they were working on for like a tour? Do you think it was actually? thought of as like uh, a standalone album you know remake type thing like what do you guys think the the logic behind this release is that's a really good question i i think it was a an album that was thought out um yeah yeah probably like, it was probably right. like kind of because it really reminds me of umbrella mistress um and i mean there's not really much to base that off of. Like, I guess <laughs> it's got the electric pianos. Piano. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, the piano. Sensibilities. The style of playing. It's something um, you can show your parents. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, yes. Mom, I made and, this in um, art class. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I but, developed this taste in art class. <laughs> art history. Yeah, I, I, I think it's um, kind of... Uh, this whole series is all experimental. You know, it seems like it's really a quintessential Omar uh, trying things out without worrying about if it'll ever see the light of day, and eventually it did, and got a title slapped on it. And I feel like maybe this is a good way of experimenting, is being like, okay, look, I got songs, they're already written, I don't have to work hard, I have music, let me just write some beats. And so they just went in there, like, let's do a lounge version. All right, we have time signatures, we have chords, we have everything, we don't have to do anything. That's what I imagine. And they're just like, okay, here's some structure, let's make an album. They probably recorded this in, like, one day, and they're, like, tight. And then, you know. Here's what Nate was going to say there. Oh, I don't remember. I'm, I'm <laughs> far gone. <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, part, of me almost won- things, part of me almost wonders, because Omar and D'Anthony actually recorded a little bit of material together in 2006, which I think, if I remember the, the release Did they notes, record? If I'm not mistaken, the release notes for Saber alluded to, like, this was reco- like chunks of Saber were recorded in 2006 together. Cool. Maybe maybe I'm imagining that. No way. I think you're imagining that. I. <laughs> uh oh. Uh, well, let's 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 go with this theory. Let's just say that. Uh, um, 
that you know that that was totally what happened and that they recorded stuff together in 2006 and so part of me wonders if like they just recorded this like because these have a very sort of lo-fi maybe this came first well that was actually what i was gonna say what came first and a funny this this sort of has a lo-fi sound to it it has a like you know nocturnal luz luz rapid fire Um, toll booth maybe kind of maybe it was recorded around the same era right and like so like that song there's even like a i think it sounds like there's like a mistake or two during that song it's got a very like there's like a loud hissing sound from like a like a four track that's being recorded onto um some of the other songs sort of have that sound to it too like you know they were just kind of gluing this together on a tour bus or like between those like few 2006 shows they played together and they're like well this is going to be something and then d'antony's like jk i'm gonna go play in kudu now and then Omar's like, well, what do I do? I got Thomas Pridgen now. Let's make this fucking deep. And then they added, like, an extra 26 layers to right. it. And then added Hamina. And then we got... And then Sunny K drew some hexagons. And uh, Xenophanes happened. It's an interesting look at it. I never thought about that. Very possible. I don't know. It's weird because they, they both seem to share certain tracks like sometimes it seems like omar's vocals are shared between the two albums sometimes it'll be like a guitar track obviously not the drums or the bass yeah. but like their time but the the rapid fire toll booth comparison is a an interesting point i didn't think about it that way because they do sort of sound the same they have that chill jazz but not quite jazz feel to it yeah maybe that was part of a an era they were recording you know theoretically and then Osedric heard that song and was like, cool, let's put that one on the album. And then they threw that together. Because talking about Xenophanes was like the sister album to Goliath. You've got Thomas there. So, you know, if that happened then, maybe Xenophanes is the Goliath thing of the rest of the Rapid Fire Tollbooth, and this is the rest of the Rapid Fire Tollbooth. I mean, yeah, Xenophanes, if it came from like that 2008 era where Omar was like making like his most violent, aggressive music, it would kind of, you know, make sense. And, uh,. You know, you, you think of like 2006. Yeah, you had rapid fire. You had uh, uh, Sediche. Um, not a whole lot. Of, I mean, obviously, he was a lot. He was a little less prolific back then. But I, I kind of feel like it's this has trio. It's, it's a, trio. I think was a little bit was a little bit later because Hamina was already in the fold at that point. Um, it just it it definitely has this feel like that. This was like it's not. I mean, it could just very well like purposely sound not polished, but it sounds not polished. It sounds rough. It sounds like some of these were like single takes or maybe two takes. And Chris brings up a good point that some of the vocal tracks definitely sound like the exact vocal tracks from Xenophanes, and some sound like uh, some are inside guitar parts, and some are like redone vocals. So it's it's, yeah. it's kind of hard to say like where this happened on the timeline of time. One of the guitar parts definitely. I forget. I'm I'm just gonna go by Xenophanes track names just because I don't I don't have the new ones in I my head. But like, like, yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> but, uh, those albums, but I don't. I the, can't. The beginning of um, Oremos, it has that like really. It, it sounds like you're dragging like a, a steel comb against like a plate or something like that. Just the way that he's playing guitar, and I feel like that that's kind of cool hearing it in a broken down sense because you can sort of hear it a lot easier because you don't have uh, you know the high pitched um, Omar doing that weird vocal thing that he did on that album where he'd pitch it up rather than down. I always found that annoying and it kind of muddied everything up, but hearing it, um, you know, just the straight guitar track, so cool. It's, it's such a interesting sound that you really don't hear from him. Right, right. Well, so the question is, anyone anyone here prefer this to Xenophilus? I actually really do. I, and I love Xenophilus. It's one of my favorite Omar solo albums to get something that's like... like uh, I don't know if it's an improvement or a, or a retrograde, as we've been saying, but to hear it stripped down either way, 
It's just like a different genre of music, but he's taking really good songs. And it's an interesting, unique experience, too. So knowing about Anthony's and coming to this as that experience compared to someone who's never heard of Anthony's and listened to this and just being like, okay, that's an album. You know, for me, knowing these songs so well and coming to this and being like, wow, I can listen to this for the first time and kind of expect things, but be surprised at the same time. I'm always talking about what music is different the first time you hear it years later on. So that's like a really cool experience. experience. It's, it's not quite a remix or something shit like that. It's like a done completely. Yeah, it's, really yeah, nice. it's, yeah, it's yeah. definitely beyond like a remix album as opposed to, you know, some of the other track like stuff that's popped up during the series that it's uh it clearly it, you know, it's a remix or whatever. This one it's um it's like a reimagining as a re But yeah, it, it it's really cool to hear this like reimagining. Uh it's really cool to um get this new like this new way of approaching the songs especially because like they originally so were so aggressive sometimes it's really cool uh like the opener nocturnal lose which was originally amanita varosa uh, i thought was a really cool way of doing it there's other or um unabismo benedito which is uh desaraigo i'm oh you like that one i like the reimagining of it i thought it was cool there's other Oof. times where i didn't think it was as good <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, he says it was never that that's was... like that's like my poster child of of the album failing Oh, but uh, really? I'll let you. I'll let you pimp it out first. Well, see, my poster child was um, El Arte de Fracasar, which was originally was Asco K, blah, 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 like whatever poisoning the erogenous zone. Or that, that's the the single one, right? Where Omar and Zemenia eat their baby. Yeah, that's or the the music video where they they awkwardly have sex on camera. And, yeah. and eat their baby. Yeah, and so that was yeah. that was like my favorite song on the album. It was like super gnarly and gross sounding, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, and now it's just kind of like spot. I don't know, like 60 spy music, but it's not very good. <laughs> I, I like the first half of it. the The second half, which is where it gets hairier on the on the Xenophanes version, uh, definitely definitely lacking. Yeah, it, I um, loved Mark Underwood's uh, piano solo in the original. So th- missing that mm-hmm. is a big uh, yeah. He he doesn't get talked about enough as as far as like uh, you know side members for Omar's projects go. Yeah, he, he's a really talented amazing, guy, yeah. and it's a shame they didn't do more together. No doubt, no doubt. But you are saying you did not like the redo of Desarraigo. Oh man, when 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 like they get into the chorus and he says, uh, you know, when he just goes into it like. With the Xenophanes version, it just, you know, blossoms and blooms and explodes and shit. But on this one, it just, like, <laughs> just goes flat. <laughs> flat Earth theory, man. I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know how to counter that, except for I really love this whole album. Like, I can't pick anything out here or there. I just remember listening to it, putting it on every day, just being like, this is incredible. And, like, enjoying the fact that there's different layers there and... Uh, I, one thing I can point out that I do enjoy because I can think of off the top of my head is just the first track where you have that cool piano rhythm going oh, and then he comes in out yeah. of nowhere with the guitar and like it locks in but it's like a different rhythm and the yeah. first time I heard it I was like that's a little weird but then like weeks later I'm like I have the two lines stuck in my head like they match up so nicely but it's one of those unexpected experience things that I think you know sneaks up on you yeah definitely. yeah yeah i mean like that was the single of the album so that's what we heard first was nocturna lewis and uh cool. it was uh man i was blown away whenever i heard that and i just kept putting it on repeat kind of like what i did with zen thrills and oh god it's a beautiful track and it's such a cool reimagining because uh i just love how it's so major compared to how gross um what what's, what's the original track called is it Al Cristo? Amanita Al Cristo Ver- de Plata. Okay, Am- Amanita, Amanita Verosa. Okay. 
so that one so yeah um and it and this album did make me go back to Xenophanes because yeah yes. these songs really are super strong but um none of the other tracks really hit me like Nocturna Luz did I was that about, one just felt so different. I was about to say, yeah, yeah this, this album made me go back to Xenophanes like three, four times. I was like, oh man, I forgot how unhinged that album is, and like, just it's so it's so aggressive and just so so well done. Mm-hmm. And um, like, that I'm was, bummed. Like, there's a, I'm bummed that there's not a uh, uh, what is it, Sangrado the uh, Sangrado the Sang- instrumental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm bummed that there's, there's not like an acoustic, beautiful version of that with Omar hitting some falsetto notes. Ooh. Yeah. I've got to say, I really great. prefer the singing on this album either way. Like, the first one's cool. Like, it's better singing than any of the other Zymania stuff to me because I like the combination of their voices more than just her singing. But I think it's too intense. It's a little grating when you hear them just singing full blast this whole uh, album. And this one is at least a nice counter to that. And it's just a no- more enjoyable experience. Just hearing I think we like, we got to talk about know, the elephant stretching. in the room, though. What? What's that? The goddamn strings. Come on. <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the, the polished vocals. I, <laughs> the, 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 the meta. I do want to touch on that real quick, because I loved Hamina's singing on Xenophonus. I also am the champion of Hamina being the better of Omar's girlfriends that have been given a microphone by like by miles just, and miles and miles. You should have just stopped at better of girlfriends and just put a period at the end of the sentence. And it's just been what like, about what? Sarah Gross, man? She played a mean sax. <laughs> a bitch that dick like nobody's business. Whoa, dang. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, hey, if you're going to get married. Allegedly. So um, the singing on Xenophan is... This was some of her best, I think, yeah, for the Omar related stuff. I thought she yeah. just was like really good at belting it out, and I thought it would have been really cool, especially because like how good she was on the trio album. Uh, imagining her in like a mellow version of this would have been really exciting. I understand why she's not. Oh, yeah. That Terry does a really good mellow Zymana, though. We've heard her do it in a couple tracks now. I that was actually the thing I was gonna say. I don't mean this as a Terry on thing. here would be nice. No, I was about to say I'm really glad Terry's not on here. <laughs> I, am, I am too. Like I just yeah, I like hearing Omar by himself. I think it's people diss on his singing, but like he's it's like a Bob Dylan approach. I mean, not to say that he's as good as Bob Dylan. That's that's a high order. But that's, when you say that's a low benchmark, Bob Dylan's a good singer, and you <laughs> a high benchmark. Yeah, but you say Bob Dylan's a good singer, and like a professional singer person will be like balking at you, like because like currently he goes out there, he's like Rolling Stone, and like it's still amazing. So you know. No, well, Omar's not like a Omar's a very competent singer. He's not a great singer, um, but I think he does. I mean, he it's does a style. A, he does well, yeah, and he does a serviceable job. And I think in terms of what the music, like he matches the music. Like going back to people, he also doesn't try to hit notes that he can't sing regularly. No, cough, cough. and, and like, you know, that's what I like to, about him. He's not reaching too hard. Like people on the internet bitching about Roman lips. I know we discussed this last time, but like, yeah, they're like, oh my god, his singing is so bad. I'm like, but it works on that album. He's just kind of like. Just grumbling along, and uh, you can imagine me with a leather jacket and some sunglasses, just being like chill as fuck. And here, it's great. Like he's ob- like obviously there's like, like in the Chi Chi video. Yeah, like there's obviously better singers you could have hired for this album, but like he does a serviceable job and it fits the album. Like yeah, you know obviously mm-hmm. you put yeah. Cedric on here. I didn't Cedric even notice better, but... exactly. He doesn't even like, have to do it in the context song. of doing it. Right. So what don't you like about this guy? Like nobody talks about how shitty a vocalist he is live. 
like he's, he's better he's as at the driving now. Have you noticed that that driving touring? Oh yeah, I'm talking like since... uh, like 2010, 2011. Yeah, oh, well, but I think doing these albums has helped him. He's gotten better now. Well, he's singing, oh, sure. he's singing a little bit with more confidence. Where like those 2012 shows, yeah. where he's like. <laughs> there it is. You, do, you drop that Inferno line every show. It's like your hook. <laughs> he really Sign did. He really did. No, this guy, Alex, he does it on every show. He's like, Inferno. But sure. Omar did too. But going back, yes. So wait, tell those, me those it, like, quantifiably, not just like song titles, but maybe just some <clears throat> moments you remember that didn't appeal to you the on strings. this album. And so, yeah. the, the strings. The strings, really? Oh. I kind of I look at it like it's a it's a keyboard. I don't look at it as strings. It's it's a fucking but somebody's like, playing a synth. You, could, you gotta think like a seventies jam band. It's somebody's playing keyboard on the side. Yeah, you know? but I thought like, it worked really well in uh, Requerdos. Like uh, the interplay between the uh, mm-hmm. the Rhodes and the it's obviously not a Mellotron, but like whatever string shit it is. But that's I thought the, that interplay was nice. That's the point. Like, why didn't he just get a Mellotron? Like, it would have sounded great with a Mellotron. It's, it might be a Mellotron VST because he can't afford a Mellotron. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, whatever he did. I don't know. Have, you looked, the, have you looked at the credits list on Say D Say? Man's got a lot of keyboards. True. That's true. He might have a Mellotron. Guys, what I if it's a Mellotron and he, he put digital effects on it to make it sound like a, t- a synthesizer? He, you know, you know, like how many like giant backdrops he's, he's, got in a, he's got like so many backdrops sitting in a warehouse somewhere, and like he could have easily just like sold one of those backdrops to buy uh, a true. Mellotron. What I'm saying is he did. What his looks like. He's got a Mellotron. He recorded it and he put effects on it to make it sound digital. Because f everybody. That's my theory. <laughs> and that, but that goes back to my theory Jesus that I Christ. think I feel like this might have been more of a demo version because it's this was like because mm. Xenophonist yeah. in like the 2009 Xenophonist era he would have sprung the money for like real strings he was still doing that shit. Those are real strings, yeah. Like you I mean you got in in Soothsayer he used real strings he used real strings in Francis the Mute obviously those are Volta albums but like he was mm. actually still springing for the like the big the big bucks then. I feel like if this like this was like a demo version because he's like I don't I'll I'll get real strings for the real version and then Thomas Pridgen showed mm-hmm. up and he's like yo I play it like this. <laughs> It's like, well, um, I'm not using the strings He's snorting anymore. on top. <laughs> well, that's from all the blunt smoking. It, it fucks up with his lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he get... Somebody got pissed for somebody taking a hit during something. Uh, that's a Pridgen recently. Like, he was in a different band, and he got someone got pissed off for him taking a hit of a blunt in the middle of somebody's solo. Good. Or am I making this sit up? Shit's disrespectful. Maybe it was in Tom. Maybe it was in the Volta. Was somebody talking about this in the was Facebook like, group or something? The, it, like, was I the talked about t- it on Koba. Was in the middle of like Thomas He'd Pridgen's be- own solo. He was just like ripping a bong while doing the wax and malacca breakdown. <laughs> and, and Volta, Omar is like, that's disrespectful to yourself. <laughs> You're fired. Well, that was like well, the 2008, the 420 show. They were all like wandering behind the amp, and like the the story was, you could just see puffs of smoke kept popping up from behind the amps. Like Cedric Juan came out on the system of a down tour. Oh, that oh. video is hilarious. <laughs> Cedric coming out and taking a bong rip on stage while Systems playing. I guess it was a dare or something. Oh, I thought you were talking about the behind the stage one. Have you seen that no, one? No, he comes right out on stage. I didn't see that. What happened? Oh, there's like oh, this, they, was, they're in Amsterdam and they're like, hey guys, there's like some really terrible host like, hey guys, do you like marijuanas? And oh, like, the TV yeah. show? Yeah. Oh yeah, it's horrible. Oh my god. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like cream corn. Darren does a lot of those. He does those, like marijuana cups, and he's out there. I would too if I was a like a rock star, you know. And you got invited to marijuana cups. Shit, I'd show up with my puffy jacket. <laughs> <laughs> got that Fubu on lock. 
Like, I'm 110th of a percent Native American. <laughs> Let's get ripped. <laughs> is, is that what they say when you when you smoke marijuana? Is you get ripped? You smoke more drugs. Dude, that fast saw party you threw was killer. It was. <laughs> I was foaming you know, for days. A, there's a spice epidemic on that. Remember that topic we were talking about? There's like an epidemic in, uh, is it like the UK or something? Or something Where uh, the shit is legal and people are having seizures left and right. Well, it's, it's technically legal. You can get it in like head shops. It's just like really, like it'll say in the package, not for human consumption, but the point is like it's synthetic merit. But nobody reads that. Well, no. <laughs> Well, th- now the new thing but is... But for uh, once in our lives, it's actually important. Right, because that's... It's got Bob like, Marley on the front. It's organic. Don't worry about it. For, Bob Marley for 20 plays, <laughs> Guys, guys, what's your favorite Bob Marley on? Greatest hits. Legend! Wait, if if Legend. your head shop sells that, you should not be doing business with them. <laughs> like, I just... Man, I hate head shops. They just... I don't know. They're, they're sad to look at. They got that vibe. They got. They got. They got a vibe. Like, if they sell skateboards, too, then it's okay. Like, if your head shop doesn't sell skateboards. <laughs> or if it's an internet cafe or something. I don't... My friend actually How used many to... internet cafes sell bowls? <laughs> no, they'll sell... They... That would be the best business. <laughs> I'd like to... Actually, it would work, because you just be, like, get ripped in the bathroom, be like, I'm just going to sit on Facebook for, like, just six hours. Just design the whole place to make it very easy to break your bowl by accident, so people are constantly buying new ones. <laughs> There's just slippery floors everywhere. <laughs> oh, shit, I just broke my third bowl this week. Why are all the tables convex? It's crazy. <laughs> Everything's covered in bacon grease. Uh. My friend actually used to own an internet cafe, and really he just used it to play World of Warcraft and smoke a shitload of, like, a shitload of hookah. It was bad. Um, uh. Like, he, he ran the business into the ground, but it was really for the better of his health, because he would have had, like... 12 lung cancers simultaneously. One for each lung. And, like, the ones you, like, even if you got a lung transplant, they would have, like, preemptively had lung cancer just because they knew what was coming. All right, so I got a question for you guys. What's the difference? Because, I mean, to me, it's all one big, cohesive, lovely experience. I don't look at even the song titles, you know? I'm not even keeping track of it because I like it a lot. So I can't really say much. But you seem to see a difference between the first half and the second half, both on Xenophanes and this album. But I feel the same about both albums. I love them all the way through. It's just one big, cohesive, like, great album, like a Pink Floyd album or something. You just put it on, listen to the whole thing, turn it off at the end. You're like, whoa. But so what's what's turning you off halfway through? What's going on? I never said that. No, it's when, right, I, maybe when I Chris. said second half, I was talking about of um, uh, the, the Mundo de Ciegos remake, whatever that is. When you were talking about before, Alex, yeah, the whole album. I think think the whole album's great, and like it's it's hard to think about it outside of the context of Xenophanes being a thing because it is a thing and it's a big thing, you know. Yeah, it's a big thing. (laughs) It is. I think, and I think just adding to like the the ending of the album, I I really want to give credit. uh, The the last three tracks are the same last three tracks from Xenophanes. You know that big epic closer. And I thought they did a really, really serviceable rendition of those tracks, created a new, even though this is a, a much mellower version, it still has like that grand epicness to it. It does. And so the ending get, is tremendous. You still get that big, yeah, that was the highlight. Right, you still get that big like uh, climax, and you're just like, yes, now I need to go <laughs> uh, get a towel. <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's a very productive op- and positive feeling album. And Xenophanes was also very pushing progressive optimistic you know it was if you were to say optimistic but on overdrive 
active, right? It was like, be active, you know? <laughs> it was like, wake the fuck <laughs> up, you know? And this one's just like, it's just like, yeah, just move forward, go forward, go forward. This is good. You're going at a good pace. You know, if these were therapists, and Xenophonus would be like overbearing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would uh, fully recommend this album. I was very. Th- this reminds me a lot, also of uh, um, LBN Email Nos Une, which was sort of that re- reimagining of the Una Scorpion stuff, where I didn't want to like it because it's a reimagining. L- but LBN Email Nos, yeah, the good and the bad. Yeah, and, but E-mail I was I was shocked nos. that uh, I liked it as much as I did. I thought it was a really creative re-exploration of the material, and uh, this is a version I could play in front of my parents, which is always a bonus. Hmm. Beautiful. Would you guys recommend Ensayo de un Desaparecido? I would I would recommend it. When I was gonna ask, when you guys do these recommendations, is this just like general recommendations or like recommended for X audience? You you do it however you want. There is no rule. Well for, for this one, uh I would I would definitely recommend it to anyone. It's a very it's a very nice it's like a lifesaver after a savory dinner. It's <laughs> very nice. Azul is a little bit different, but we'll we'll get into that. Well, maybe just to carry with from that, it's like a lifesaver, like that you're you're holding on to, and you're like it's actually like a really nice day in the ocean, and you can see some people are coming to rescue you. Maybe it'll take a while, but it's like you can just chill there for now. You got a lifesaver. <laughs> got that lifesaver. I feel like you're channeling. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you're channeling the the album cover with the guy attached to the. Rope. I am. I'm just staring at it. Yeah. You're just like, I mean, I'll get saved eventually. <laughs> I must be attached to something. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like just plummeting to his death, the the rope. Doesn't know it. <laughs> and Omar's like, oh, that's a great photo, click. Fine. Doesn't doesn't tell anybody about the guy that just fell past the plane. <laughs> this not, man died two days later of starvation. Because <laughs> he was still attached to that rope. <laughs> Nate, would you recommend this album? Oh, uh, yeah. I would. I've played it, you know, around people and whatnot, just as kind of background music because of how soft and easygoing it is. And um, so it's a beautiful thing. It's not something I come back to a lot, though. Um, Oddly enough, it's not something I've listened all the way through probably more than twice or thrice, honestly. But, I mean, to be fair, I think um, that's kind of how I'm treating a lot of these later Omar albums. Um, Unfortunately, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm losing it. I'm losing the grip. It's, it's exhausting. Is great, though. It's exhausting. Also, April's been a killer month for <laughs> other music as well. Like, other, uh, other music as well, so there's just like a lot of good yeah. shit. Yeah. Like this this, this and, weekend, um, there was a, a new yeah. Kendrick album dra- dropped, uh, a new Talib Kweli album dropped, there's a new single by Kamasi Washington. A couple weeks ago, Little Dragon King- just came out yesterday. Yeah, he told you. Really good. Um, there oh, my was God. a new King Gizzard and the Lizard wi- Wizard album not that long ago. I like that band. Oh, they're, that cool. band, they're great. We'll talk about it another time. But yeah, I could totally understand why. <laughs> yeah, but I feel okay. the same. I've been enjoying these albums more, but listening to them less. And I think maybe it's just because I've been doing other stuff. I've just been more busy. But, it's uh, hard to listen to the same album three times within two weeks, or more than three times. I find myself yeah, listening to all of them three funny. times. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but these are remain like I would say in Sayu. I listened to it the most the first week. I just kept playing it because it's great. And I would may say it's the most recommendable album of his series so far, of this whole thing. Maybe a, a behind Umbrella Mistress. Yeah. If you're going to talk about just music, you'd show to anyone. But if you're a Volta fan kind of type deal, at the Jivin fan, Omar fan, and you're, like, you're looking for something interesting, you might not think this is his best. 
unless you have like that fine taste and uh, well trained ears. This is uh, crazy, actually. I was at work and a uh, customer came in and he had a Volta shirt on. And I was like, "Hey, I dig the Volta shirt. It's my favorite band." And uh, he was like, "Whoa, no way!" And he uh, he brought up the whole uh, Omar, you know, solo album stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, he's been releasing like twenty four this entire year." He's like, "Yeah, he just uh, came out with one." Uh, and he was talking about this one and how it was a remake of one of his favorite albums. And I was like, "Wow, somebody is actually paying attention to Omar." <laughs> this is like the most incredible story I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's really vivid. I this know. Happened? I bet you feel like you were there. <laughs> Did he well, have like a long handsome. mustache? <laughs> Actually, he did have a mustache. Um, yes, a little bit of the hipster twirl. Um, but no, he he was it was cool. It was cool. I mean, that's as far as it went though. <laughs> he didn't carry on the conversation. I didn't want to press and make him feel weird. He didn't get his phone number. Or and then you, he bought his sub sandwich and rode away in his unicycle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chatting well, Winston vaping chat and Overwatch. Thank you. Twirling and scarfing. Hello classic classic but uh yeah so i mean it was a it was a thing that happened and it was it's pretty um surreal that there's people out there who know ensayo de un desaparecido so <laughs> that is weird because yeah. I mean, you have a big thing with at the drive-in that gets nicher and nicher and nicher until you have fucking as weird as a little weird niche thing as this but it's actually getting a, the potentiality of exposure is incredible right I really hope he's. I really hope he's uh, selling these albums at the, at the drive-in shows, or at least he has like his CD burner. And uh, he hasn't, dude. That, that picture of them with the CD burner. It's like, <laughs> all right, guys, I'll be at the show for an hour burning CDs, but you got to bring your own. <laughs> Burns at five discs an hour. <laughs> first come, first serve. I'm, I'm so glad someone saw that because it took me three minutes to make, and I was really bummed out when nobody answered. Uh, <laughs> someone saw A+ so that was A plus. That was fucking high art. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you have to read the caption though. If you just see the picture, it's like, well, what is this? Then you read the caption. It's like, <laughs> I'll be there for an hour before the show, guys. All right, come check me out at the merch booth. I do have a stack of blank CDs. I'm going to bring it to the at the driving show and be like, hey, Omar, can you hook me up? Will you sign this? Yeah. Hook sign me up with burner. a copy of the Somnibulists, please. <laughs> it is $5 in a burner. You can go in the back if you want. All right. Hold on, that sounds like a back. Key to a good time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, going from one album with a Spanish title to another album with an, a yellow album cover, uh, Azul Mis Dientes. <laughs> Great transition or best transition um, is the forty-third album by Omar. Uh, not counting the group trio, blah 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 blah. Um, and this one uh, actually was supposed to come out. I think. Three four years ago, uh, it was originally going to come out on the on John Frusciante's. Uh, correct me if I'm getting this wrong. Neurotic Yell uh, album, yes. uh, record That's label, correct. and uh, so it was hyped for hyped for like three minutes, and then it vanished. And um, it's here now. I'm back. It's got probably the worst album cover out of all the entire set of releases. And bear it's in not mind, even blue. It's they couldn't even, even get that right. It's the it's the exact opposite <laughs> of blue. And uh, I mean, we have the we have the album covers of Cell Phone Bikini Infinity Drips, so uh, you know the standard is set low. Uh, what do you guys think of Azul, comma Mistientes? <sighs> well, I think it's fitting that I go first, considering <laughs> right. I just listened to <laughs> most of it for the first time. We have a winner. Well, um, 
Alright, so, as I told you guys before we started, I listened to the first two tracks whenever this first came out, and I was like, I don't know what happened, I don't know why I haven't listened to this, um, so I revisited it 30 minutes before we um, did this, and I can say, uh, Trigenia, that's a, that's a good one, that's a, that's a really crazy <laughs> one, and it's, it's uh, hmm, <laughs> I don't know why you're laughing, Alex, this is really serious, I love this album, this is my favorite album of all time, and, um, that, okay, so, so, is Chris Common playing drums on this, or were one of yes, the engineers? Yes. Even though okay. listening to Trihenia especially, that sort of sounds like DeAntony, but he it wasn't really credited. does. It does, though. It really, really does. So that kind of blows me away. And also on, I think, uh, Sandra, or Sandra, uh, whatever. I don't know if we're pronouncing these with our uh, pseudo-Mexican accents. but <clears throat> I think it's um, personal preference, no matter what your language is on that Victor. name. I'm, I'm not going to call it anything other than Sandra from now on. So you, you Sandra. <laughs> Sandra. Sandra. Uh, is Sandra here? Anybody seen Sandra? Poifect, <laughs> poifect. Um, but I think it was that one where, uh, in the verses, the beat for one measure is in straight eights, and then it goes to the, uh, I, I guess, swung triplet feel in between measures, and that was crazy. That reminded me a lot of D'Antoni, and so, to know like that's coming from that. Chris Common, it's pretty, uh, it's My favorite trick in the book. Yeah, oh, yes. Oh, yes. The word of swing. So, oh, I bet you, I bet you like that. I bet you like swinging. Um, but we have, guy. uh. We have uh, Diente Azul. That's another standout for me. I thought that was really cute. And uh, it's about all I have on here. (laughs) First listen. Uh, Alex, back to you. Back to you. Oh. All right. Um, Did you think Diente Azul was cute? This whole album is cute. cute. This is a cute album. And it's like, oh, look at these two lovebirds making an album together. It's so adorable. Um, I really did not care for <laughs> it's this It's their album. Um, arcade fire. Oh. Yeah, I just, yeah. it like, they're kind of cutesy little pop songs. Um, nothing really grabbed me. Uh, this, I, th- I also feel like, th- I... I always wax and wane on Terry. Terry will give me plenty of reasons to like get frustrated with her. Then will give me go- reasons to go, oh, I'm just kidding. She's fucking awesome. And this was another one of those albums where I'm like, I just don't enjoy her singing. I didn't really care much for the music. I like I've promptly forgotten most of it. I had to go through it like two, three times oh. today just to remind myself like what the songs were because I went through them. And I'm like, oh, what were they? And, really? Uh, That's surprising. Like I, Isaac is just sort of this like bloop 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 song, and uh, um, <laughs> is Trihenya is pretty good. Marcel's a good <clears throat> song. Um, uh, Hilo por Hilo is pretty good. But then you got songs like Victor, uh, songs like Sandra, oh. Kenya, Kenna, Ma- uh, Robert. That I'm like I. I just don't care. I really didn't. And this is one I'm going to forget pretty quickly uh, moving forward. And that's, it's, it's and that's kind of a list. bummer. 
because like I feel badly that I that I have yet it took me like doing this podcast to feel like I had to <laughs> I had an obligation to listen to this because like I wish this would have come out in 2013 whenever it would have been more pronounced and people would have been more caring uh, but it's kind of yeah. smudged between 23 other albums and but it's really it's actually pretty um, detailed um, from what I'm hearing I mean there's a there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of cool production tricks a lot of uh, just layers of sounds and bleep bloops and guitars and so it's um you know i, I think um it, it deserves like some attention at least what about you chris because i'm just gonna heap praise all over this thing and i want to hear what the rest of you have to say first I, I i liked it as well i liked it um especially for the 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 sappy uh you know like um 50s rock influence stuff going on on um uh, Isaac and what's the other one that sounds like it? Is it sort of like Robert? It's the second to last. Yeah, oh, it says Rojo. Victor. Victor. See. Si. I'm looking at this one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I, like, tracks. I like both of those. I remember when um, the Metamorphose bootleg with Terry first came out. The the version of 18 on there um, sort of sounded like this. It had a very um, uh, like the the beats were sort of like Motown early R and B influenced. I felt, and this album sort of goes in the same direction, which lines up. If this is indeed the Azul Mistientes that was supposed to come out in 2013, um, but it's it's got a good mix. Some of it is poppy, some of it is weird. Um, Hilo or Hilo, for instance, who ever thought we would get a fucking ukulele and nothing else on an Omar track? Mm. Yeah, ukulele is a good point. Uh, like I said earlier, it's like their Arcade Fire album and. You, you bring up, you guys bring up like the cutesiness of it. I think we're not emphasizing that enough. Like, there's freaking pots and pans listed as an instrument, and they're quintessential to some of these tracks. Where it's just like, it's like some of that late classical music that was actually made in America that has this sort of like triumphant industrial feel, like expansionist, like yeah, you know, it's got this really <laughs> uh, upbeat, triumphant feel to it, and it's like poppy kind of like indie music it's like a little bit bosnian bosnian rainbows vibe without yeah. as much of their techno it's more of just like that upbeat happy go get them vibe i can yeah. see it was almost a set a dimension of that of that grouping did you like uh like, octopus kool-aid alex because this i feel like the the those two albums are, are like brother sister albums I, they seem very similar well so like i would agree if azul mistientes is like the preppy cheerleader or like like the bubbly church girl that like you know, like, is nice to everyone, and you secretly have a crush on her, and, like, she kind of likes you, and, like, you try and make a move on her, but she's like, I got this promise ring, and so, like, like, and then the one time, and, like, the one time she slips up, and, like, you act, like, you feel her boob a bit, and she, like, gets super embarrassed, and, like, won't talk to you again, it's, like, that, that's Azul, and then Octopus Kool-Aid is the goth chick smoking cigarettes behind the school who'll give you a hand job just for, you know, giving her the right look. Not I fucking not love that man. I, I just that. got a pretty good glimpse into your childhood. <laughs> that was nice. <laughs> it was nice, he says. Better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> you had a fun time. Where was I? He's like, there was a look. I didn't. You know, there was a look. <laughs> she would just be like, "Hey, come here." And you're like, oh, "How are you doing?" And she's like, "You want a hand job?" And you're like, "All right." And that would, and like you know, that that's the difference between octopus and Azul. Like Azul is just kind of cutesy and like it's optimistic, and octopus is like fucking dirty and nasty. It's like like I the, feel like the metaphor applies on more than just this level. I feel like audibly, it sort of sounds like that too. Right, like the, the studio octopus version is so dark and brooding and like emotional and gothy and yeah. 
Well, the, uh, Octopus reminds me a lot of like '80s goth music. The the studio yeah. version of Worlds get in the way with that synth, that electronic like warning going on in the background. That's fucking awesome. And here's like bloop 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 biskibidi bap bloop. Go to church. Give it a bop. Put a scabby bop in there. <laughs> Where they're like, y- you ever go? You ever go to Torchlight? And you're like, oh, Torchlight. That sounds cool. And then it turns out to be like one of those like teen Bible study groups, and like they're like, oh yeah, we got crazy last night. We drank six Mountain Dews. And, <laughs> sort of, I hear that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like this like, album, I though. Black. I don't think it's that optimistic. Like some of these tracks you're talking about are very grungy. Like even, I mean, track two, Robert is just like, I, I don't like it. It has an amazing chorus. The chorus is sort of like makes me want to listen to it, but the beginning is so. Eh, I don't know what's up with that. It's angry and dark and typical Omari stuff. Yeah, and I think some of the other tracks that you did like on here, like Trigenia. I think that sounds sort of like an early version of the in absentia feel with the drumming. The kick drum is just rapid fire all over the place with like yeah lots of at the yeah. end yeah with the delay. There's so, yeah, I like drumming. that. I like that track a lot from the 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 remake revisionist Omar perspective. Like he took a, an ambient track and he put stuff on it and it worked. Unlike um, to is it to need somebody off of Roman lips that's. Uh, takes one of the ambient tracks, I think, off of Octopus, and he puts yeah. a bunch of tracks on it. Yeah, I feel like it worked a lot more um, with Trihenya. That's a, it's a great track off it. Agreed. Yeah, it's cool that he's been doing that, and uh, I think he, it's been something that he does in his career where you'd have different versions of a song, where you have a song and it's done, but then you're like, that song would be cool if it had this, but I don't want to edit that file, so I'll just make a new file. Oh, what do I call it? I guess I call it Octopus Kool-Aid. And then it turns into, like, you know, whatever else. So you have this separation of songs when they're done, but then you work on them some more, and it's like, well, what came first? What if you go back and work on that other one? It's, like, different versions, different visions. So you have these ambient tracks from, like, Octopus Kool-Aid that then he comes back to and puts just drums over it. And it's like, okay, this is that song, but with drums. And people make fun of that shit. Like, there's a great comic, if you've seen, where Omar and Cedric are looking at something, and Cedric, Omar's handing it to Cedric, and he's like, no, 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 this one has drums on it! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Zappa used to do that with a lot, with his live shows. There was a hilarious story. Um, I, I think it was Adrian Ballou was telling it where they were playing in Indianapolis, and like Zappa would have these little hand signals to indicate like how you want the song to be played. And uh, he would like Omar was definitely doing that in the the Bedlam era. Well, 100%. he was just doing that to be like Thomas, please fucking like. Yeah, he'd be like, do it now, do that thing now, yeah. that thing now, now, but, now, the new thing. But so like, he yeah, apparently had a hand signal that was play the song reggae style. And oh, he loved that one. And apparently trolled the entire band. Every every song on that show, he's like, play it reggae, play it reggae, play it reggae. <laughs> <laughs> so I can imagine nice. Omar... Had, or there was another interview with uh, Nick Reinhardt for Tyra Mellis where he was talking about when submitting uh, like an album. He all like, no, it wasn't Nick Reinhardt. It was uh, Ian Williams from Battles where he's like, I'll have like 50 versions of a demo. I will hand it to the other band members. And I anticipate they'll listen to all 50, and they'll pick the first one and go, nope, that's the album. And I can imagine Omar does the same thing. Like, he hands Cedric, like, 10,000 versions of Goliath, and Cedric listens to two and goes, nah, this is good. Sorry, this story was completely random, but, uh... Yeah, you kind of made that up, too. <laughs> Who knows? But those teeth are really yellow, they're not blue. Find out. I wish they would talk about what their new creative process is like, because they've spilled so many beans in the past about how they do things that we know about. Like, oh yeah, Cedric looks at the songs and picks what makes Mars Volta. But now that they've been doing Anti-Mask and at the drive-in, I'm 
just want them to fucking talk about they that shit. How's your songwriting go? They Netflix collaborating, and then they're like, "Hey guys." Yeah, what was that, Chris? It's all democracy, right? That's what they say. That's, that's, that's the here. PR statement, at least. But, like, I want to know how does democracy work? Maybe we could uh, learn from them. <laughs> I mean, I, I give this Omar credit. He, he like. once used to call himself uh, the little Hitler, so, of music. Yeah, okay there. Mar- Omar's Volta. Omar's Volta. People can change. I hope, he, I hope he pursues an avenue where he still does that because he's like he's one of those guys like a Zapper or a Miles Davis who can do that effectively, and uh, you know then you have situations like uh, you know Kimono Cult where democracy isn't always the answer. And I, and I mean I don't like everything he does, but I like that one. That was in a Bosnian Rainbows vein to me. I like that album EP. Whatever. No, I do too. The 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 one that he was on, and I guess all he did on it was um, write the string score. On it, I think I remember reading. Uh, I don't think he actually plays anything on it. It basically like, it, it was like effectively strings. just it was like John Frusciante's then girlfriend that pretty much did the whole mm. album. But they're like it's it's and I think she just used everyone's name to get pull. And then they get oh they, she seems like, like that some, kind of person. She, John Frusciante mm. actually posted something like negative about her. It was very like plain and it was just like, uh, but it was went into detail about like how she was like an artist that, uh, like like leached off of other artists and stuff it was like really pointed well wasn't it heard that like, <laughs> like it's very surprising to hear it from him of all people he's such a humble like quiet uh, unspoken person to hear something to see that he'd say something anything it must have been pretty serious well my understanding there was a story where she was playing uh i forget her name but she was playing a show nicole turley <laughs> yeah and uh she was she was playing a show i was like oh yeah guys john frusciante might show up so then obviously like and john frusciante's mm-hmm. got one of those fan bases like omar does where everyone just like fucking showed up right away i was like we're gonna see this and uh he never showed up because she and she's like well i said he might show up i don't know if it was nicole turley but i did read a story about that in relation to uh black knights where they did like something at amoeba records and they had to shut it down because there were so many angry frusciante fans like screaming for blood and shit, and so Black Knights never played. <laughs> That's what happens when you play with fire, though. Right. Yeah. You gotta let them show up unexpectedly when you're playing like a little quiet dub show on the beach. There you go. He just comes in through the curtains with that falsetto. That like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good mm. live de facto concert where the one where Frusciante shows up. Mm. I really want to see them do some more dub stuff, but I think the key to it was Jeremy Ward because you watch those old shows and it's just like everything is mic'd up on the drum set going through his pedals. Like, oh, yeah. I bet half of the music is really just snare drums being repeated at intervals that create harmonies. Uh, have you learned about this shit? There's some videos out there about how basically a melody and its relevant note to another, like a first or a third is a polyrhythm at super fast frequencies. Basically, a frequency is rhythm. Like, you know, how many times does a sine wave repeat per instance? And so if you put that sine wave over another sine wave, it's actually a 3-4 relation for a a fifth and a 4-5 relation for a third. So you have literally, if you could play 5 over 4 and then go play 3 over 4, you'd be playing a fifth and a third melodically on rhythm. It's crazy. Oh no, you're getting sucked up into the void. I hear the distortion. <laughs> I thought it was really fitting that like he starts going on this very like elaborate music <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like, and and... <laughs> you're starting to create some polyrhythms yourself, man. Oh no, he did it to oh, me. He polyrhythmed yeah, into the void. <laughs> he math too hard. 
I did too many shots of vitamin Divided by zero. Not even Zach Hill divides by zero, man. Zach knows not to. That was. I hope it was a good mix. I can't like. Am I okay now? Distort your shit. I mean, you can just dub over his and just try and translate. Yeah, like match it. Just match it to your voice. Talk in the gap, and then let me come back in. Do your best Armando impression. Make a warship super flash remix. Yeah. Boom. Something something engrams something something. (laughs) Watch my new movie. Watch my new movie. Watch my new movie. But. (laughs) <laughs> this fucking album is good. I like it a lot. And like I think it's a great thing to put on a uh, thought I had is that Isaac is so catchy that I'll think about, you know what? I'd like to put this on. And between that time and the time it takes me to take my phone out and go to Spotify and put my headphones on and press play, the song is already played through in my head and I'm like I guess I don't really want to listen to it like right after just hearing the whole thing in my head. I mean, like, you know, you don't want to play a song twice kind of thing. It's a really weird feeling I don't get too often because it's so catchy and it's just so distinct. I get stuck right in my head immediately and I go to press play and I'm like, well, I'm already, I guess I could listen to it again. Okay. Well, you know what? I'm going to listen to that track right after this because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the, first, the, the first track, so you'll be good. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Track, no, I mean, they do this thing with track two is like unsightly. And I guess it's to temper expectations. You don't roll into it with too many baller tracks at the start and then hear the weird stuff later mm-hmm. or something. Like, you have a little bit of both, and then you know, okay, this album has a little bit of both. But they always start with the second track. It's like, uh, too much, too soon. You know, Robert would have been better later on when you're already in the groove and you don't notice that the intro is kind of weird, you know? Unless it's uh, Zappa Pan, in which case you better buckle the fuck up because you're not getting out exactly. of plan for a while. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. That's that Omari sound that I think is unfairly characterizing of him because he has stuff like this that is so much the polar opposite. He has such good poppy sensibilities, and it's like, you know, because he does also like the dissonant shit, it's like, well, he's just known as the guy that plays dissonant stuff, even though he tries so so hard sometimes, I think, to let it be known that, you know, he, he knows how to play in major, for fuck's sake, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's cool because... Like, um, with a lot of these albums, we're seeing a lot of different ways that he can write and a lot of different things that I really wouldn't expect, like riffs that sound like they'd come from Coheed and Cambria, like, uh, on this album. <laughs> like, honestly, like, there, there's, like, one, uh, I, I don't know exactly the chord progression, but it's it's from, uh, it's very similar to In Keeping Secrets of Silent Earth, uh, their second album, and uh, the opening track on that, and, uh... It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird hearing this from Omar. It's it sounds like, um, I guess like that '90s grunge rock that you guys keep referring to. Like that's on this album, and then also on Killing Tingled. Not so. that you would never know a personal experience of that. Hey, I was born in '98. Okay, I got two years of experience. Oh my god. I know what post grunge is. Same thing. <laughs> I listened to Fugazi. Okay. You were born into new metal. <laughs> I oh, know, I right? When I was like five. <laughs> no, that was '90s. That was before Corn sold out. <laughs> I think I've tried to do that more times in my life and failed than anything else. That wah, can't do it. <laughs> uh, disturbed. I think he was doing oh, Twist. Oh, oh, wah, disturbed uh, is new metal, though. That's perfect, Alex. That's Twist was cool. amazing. <laughs> I do say. Oh yeah, twist. Yeah, that was the song. 
Twist. Oh, someone made a fish reference. Uh oh. Fish. So, uh, would you recommend this album, Alex? I would recommend Alex's musings and his beautiful songbird voice. Um, hey, why aren't you singing on any of this music you produced, dude? Come on, uh, I want to hear you uh, Actually, throw the, out some Ray Charles. The new the new album has lyrics. I started recording vocals last it's, night. It was really embarrassing, um, but I'm working on that's it. That's why you're doing this. You're, yeah. you're still grooving. <laughs> like, oh my god, I have vocal uh, cords. Uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm still discovering what they are. Uh, I really wouldn't recommend this one. I It's a pass. I mean, obviously, if you're an Omar head and you're you know 50 albums in, you're going to listen to it regardless of what I say, but... I just there there are so much better ones with Terry on and even in this release set like the the amazing cell phone bikini um this or Zen Thrills eh this one don't I don't need it wow cringe how about you Chris since it's my show I, I would I would recommend this to someone with uh, more adventurous sensibilities but someone who isn't. Uh, you know, not in the sense where I'd say like, you know, go listen to Infinity Drips or something like that. But it's it's definitely a weirder one. But I feel that it has stuff that can that can still hold it down. Like you know, Isaac and Victor. Like, how can you not sway to a song like that? The beat is fucking it's candy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The two of those are very like the pop songs of this album, and then you have like art musings spread out throughout that kind of relate to it. But you definitely got those songs as like but the pop singles, if you would, where they're like, okay, you've got you've got those songs on. Yeah, here but I don't want the church it. girls candy. Yeah. I want the goth girls like Miller Highlights. <laughs> oh, here we go. He can't stop talking about <laughs> his childhood hand jobs. <laughs> it was a different time, man. Nate, which hand job do you prefer? Which would you say? Which hand job do I prefer? <laughs> Oh, I guess so. You don't get one from the, the church. The Which church. one do you recommend? Church cheerleader. Oh, uh, the sad one when I'm alone. Oh, um, I prefer the, uh, um, okay, so, um, That's Azul. despair. The, the lonely hand job is despair. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's the, oh, the one that God. never ends. Yeah. <laughs> Where you sit on your hand before, so it's all, so it's numb. So you're like, oh, it's not me. I'm so alone. What? No one else has done this? Only me? Oh, that's well. This is an interesting time to end the podcast. Thanks, thanks all for listening. Bye.